All right. Welcome, everyone, to today's episode of the Jason Modar Show. I wanted to talk today about Russia invading Ukraine and a Christian response to it. So <clears throat> I had a student of mine actually ask me about this. He asked me if I had plans to do a YouTube video or a podcast about Russia invading Ukraine, and my immediate knee-jerk quick response to that was no. I've got enough tyrants in my own backyard, enough despots and wannabe despots running around the United States of America to worry about, let alone a tyrant halfway across the world. And I hadn't followed the Russia-Ukraine situation all that closely. I knew basic stuff about it. I didn't know all the ins and outs to provide any sort of quality analysis of it, and I didn't really have any plans on following it that closely, so I figured, you know, there's no need for me to open my mouth and talk about something I'm unfamiliar with, thereby exposing my own folly. Now, this didn't mean that I wasn't going to pay attention, that I wasn't going to follow, at least to some extent, what was going on over there. What it means is that I wasn't interested in shutting down other areas of my life, stopping or discontinuing to, or no longer talking about other things that I'm interested in talking about on this show, mainly what's going on in Christianity and pointing out all the woke nonsense and the downgrade of evangelical Christianity and Big Eva and evangelical institutions. There were other things that I'm interested in, plus what I have going on with my professional academic career, other areas I just wanted to focus in on, and I didn't want to shut those down because those things were still important, and I didn't want them to cease being important or cease paying attention to them simply because there's a war brewing halfway across the world. Now, it didn't take me that long to rethink my decision, and it wasn't because I decided all of a sudden, well, yes, actually, I do want to become an expert on Eastern European hostilities in the 21st century. It wasn't anything like that at all. What ended up happening was a couple of C.S. Lewis quotes regarding war and how people ought to behave and act during a wartime situation. They popped into my head, and I realized, you know, perhaps in light of those Lewis quotes, maybe I do have something that would be helpful and edifying to contribute to the conversation. So here's something that Lewis says in The Weight of Glory. Quote, War creates no absolutely new situation. It simply aggravates the permanent human situation so that we can no longer ignore it. Human life has always been lived on the edge of a precipice. Human culture has always had to exist under the shadow of something infinitely more important than itself. If men had postponed the search for knowledge and beauty until they were secure, the search would have never begun. We are mistaken when we compare war with normal life. Life has never been normal, end quote. So the Fallout series has something of a TLDR version of Lewis's quote, and that's war. War never changes. Now, Lewis's quote obviously sheds far more light on the human condition than the tagline from the Fallout franchise, and it also gives us some virtuous and biblical insight as to what we are to do during a time of war. So one thing I want to do, or one part of this quote I really want to hone in on before getting into a second quote from Lewis that I would like to discuss as well that helps shed light on a Christian response to Russia invading Ukraine So the part of that quote I just read that I want to hone in on was this part, where Lewis says, If men had postponed the search for knowledge and beauty until they were secure, the search would have never begun. We are mistaken when we compare war with normal life. Life has never been normal. 
So because, and this is especially true of those of us who are in the West, we live in a time of unprecedented wealth and leisure, prosperity, security, health, all of the above. No society, no culture in the history of recorded history of recorded civilization has ever had it as good as we do in terms of all of the aforementioned elements that I just named. And it can be really easy to forget how unique of a situation that we occupy in history and how very much, in terms of our wealth and prosperity, how very much unlike pretty much any other human culture has ever lived. I mean, kings and queens of the past didn't live as good as somebody renting a modest apartment in pick your city in the United States of America. And another thing about our modern culture is, or at least a few of the most recent generations, certainly my generation, the millennials, the current generation, Gen Z, and probably the children of the baby boomers, which is Generation X, they have easily forgotten or are rather profoundly ignorant of our own past, of our own history, and the history of the world. And that has led, in part, to those generations, many people within those generations, complete inability to cope with even the smallest amounts of discomfort and suffering. So even living here in the United States of America and catching news of something happening overseas with Russia and Ukraine makes people just freak out, and all of a sudden they have to zoom in everything all of their life has to revolve around what's going on with a couple of countries halfway across the world. So there's a book I'm reading right now called uh, The American Indian, written by R.J. Rushduni, and he recounts his time spent living on an Indian reservation during the 1940s and the 1950s. He did missionary work there, and he tells one story of a young Indian boy whose village was attacked. And the boy after the death of his father, ended up being the lone survivor of this village that started with, I think, somewhere in the neighborhood of 15 to 20 people. Very small, localized, nomadic tribe of Indians. And the boy ended up making it out alive because he had been trained by his family and by his village to get into a hiding place just outside of his village in the event of an attack. And Once the attackers had left and he returned to the village, the boy ended up finding his father, who was at this point barely alive. And, excuse me, before dying, his father gave him a specific set of directions for locating another village of his people. He told his son, look, sneak up, don't go directly into a village or a tribe of Indians that you come across, sneak up hide on the outskirts, listen to them, and listen to, and listen to hear if they speak our language. If they don't, move on and keep repeating that process until you hear our language being spoken. Then you know you found our tribe and you found people that you can safely go and live with. <clears throat> it took the boy two weeks to locate his tribe, hiding and surviving on his own, but he did it in overcoming some brutal circumstances, having everybody in his life slaughtered, watching his dad die, and then having to live on his own in hiding for two weeks, which means he had to provide for his own food, shelter, and water. But he was able to to do it. And this was a, if I remember correctly from the story, this was a prepubescent Indian boy who was able to survive like this. Now, how many parents today would have the foresight 
to train and prepare their children for potential disaster or even for just the normal and commonplace difficult situations that we face in life as human beings, let alone preparing them for something as outrageous as what that Indian boy went through. How many parents today actually end up sheltering their children from even a hint or a whiff of suffering, difficulty, and utterly and completely refusing to discipline them in an effort to hide and shelter and coddle their feelings and promote and build up their self-esteem, which ultimately ends up hurting these kids in the long run. I mean, really, look no further than what happened to our own culture during the outbreak of the China virus. Children were muzzled, and they were locked away from the big bad world, and their educations and their social interactions were put on hold, um, demonstrably, statistically, retarding their growth in key areas. And this this included... Prohibiting them, in many instances, from the most <clears throat> excuse me important social interaction of them all, which is interaction with God's covenant community of believers. They ceased even going to church. Now, let's circle back to the Lewis quote. So, there were men that came before us who faced far more strenuous circumstances than you and I could ever dream of facing. And they did not postpone the things that made life worth living until everything was fine and they were secure. They were never secure. Yet in spite of this, or maybe even because of this, they ended up living life to its fullest anyway. I I always think of parents who or young married couples who say, well, we're not going to have kids till, you know, we've had some time just together for the two of us so we can solidify our marriage or till we're in a better financial situation, wanting everything to be perfectly secure and set up and smooth for them. And you're expecting life to do something for you that it just isn't really ever going to do. Even in our very healthy, wealthy, and prosperous age, we can be lulled into this sense of security that really isn't even there. And if you're just going to postpone doing the things in life that are worth living, then you're you're postponing being a human. <laughs> you're postponing being a person. So what what is a Christian response to Russia invading the Ukraine? Is to live life joyfully. Is to not allow something like this, especially those of us literally far removed from the situation, allowing something like that to steal our joy and to <clears throat> take all of our attention and focus away. Live life Read good books, enjoy your children, enjoy your spouse, hang out with friends. Don't shut down your life, but live it and do so to the glory of God. Like 1 Corinthians, I think it's 10, 1031, somewhere in that neighborhood. Whatever you do, whether you eat and drink, do all to the glory of God. So don't allow your life to be absorbed by yet another news cycle. Now, this isn't to say we ignore what's happening in Ukraine or that even Ukrainians themselves should go around living their lives, assuming some sort of Pollyanna posture towards a foreign invader, that everything's fine. No, they're going to be in some seriously dangerous situations that's going to require them to be like that Indian boy and do what they need to do to survive. But all of us, even Ukrainians, ultimately should be living our lives full of joy to God's glory. And they ought not, and we ought not, let a thug like Putin take that joy and take that ability to live life to its fullest away from them. 
Now, Lewis has more wisdom to depart. So in Present Concerns, Lewis writes, and he writes this in light of the invention of the atomic bomb and the fear that initially surrounded the atomic bomb coming to fruition. This is what he says, quote, If we are all going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb, let that bomb, when it comes, find us doing sensible and human things, praying, working, teaching, reading, listening to music, bathing the children, playing tennis, chatting to our friends over a pint and a game of darts, not huddled together like frightened sheep and thinking about bombs. They may break our bodies, any microbe can do that, but they need not dominate our minds, end quote. If Russia wasn't invading Ukraine, there would still be plenty of things for people to fear. There would still be plenty of things for people to get sucked into. Even the people in Ukraine would have something going on to be afraid of. Even if it had nothing to do with Russia, there would be something that could threaten to break their bodies. That could cause them to be huddled together like frightened sheep, thinking about that thing that they are afraid of. If if Twitter and social media in general wasn't having some brain aneurysm right now over Russia and Putin and Biden and Trump and anybody else connected with that story, Twitter feeds and social media stories would still be flooded and full of plenty of panic porn for people to utterly and completely lose their minds over and just get zoomed in and zoom in on and just get sucked into. So don't give your mind and your affections over to Twitter and people like Putin or Trudeau or Trump or anyone else or anything else that would prefer to have you huddled in fear like a frightened sheep. It's so apropos what Lewis says. They may break our bodies, but they need not dominate our minds. Don't let fear of something dominate and control how you live your life. So... Again, what's a Christian response? How does a Christian respond to a despot like Putin, to a situation like we're seeing over in Eastern Europe, to the potential threat of China invading Taiwan, or anything else that could cause us fear? Well, I'll speak for myself. Here's what this Christian is going to do. I'm going to wake up tomorrow, and I'm going to go to work, to a job that I love, that I enjoy thoroughly. And I am going to continue with my daily task of equipping the next generation with the tools of learning. Tonight, I'm going to listen to a brilliant Christian professor extol the virtues of classical Christian education. I'm going to be thoroughly entertained by him. I'm going to be motivated by him. And I'm going to enjoy every single second of the blessing it is to listen to him speak the way he speaks, present the way he presents, and impart knowledge the way that he imparts knowledge. I'm going to pray for my kids and kiss each and every one of them before I put them into bed. My daughters and I have this little routine. We do some sign language. We uh, say, Jesus loves you and me. And then I pray for them. I do a, a modified version of the Lord's Prayer that I pray over them and then kiss them, hug them, tuck them in, get them into bed for the night. I'm going to do that. And there are three books that I'm reading right now that I'm going to continue to read. I'm going to continue reading Chesterton's Orthodoxy. Never read it before. Really enjoyed it. Some of it's going right over my head, but that is Chesterton for you. I'm going to continue reading Rush Dooney's The American Indian. And I'm going to keep reading F. Scott Fitzgerald's The Great Gatsby, which is what my senior literature class and I are reading right now. Uh, Next Monday, 
we have our school's annual family basketball night where the faculty and parents team up and we play some basketball games against our junior high and our high school basketball team. So I'm going to attempt to relive my glory days. Mostly, I'm going to attempt to not hurt myself, and I'm going to do my best to keep up with our junior high and high school boys during our school's annual family basketball night. I'm going to pray fervently for my brothers and sisters in Ukraine and all Ukrainians right now. I'm going to be praying for a righteous outcome in that conflict, in addition to all of the other things that I pray for, in addition to all of the other all of the other petitions that I daily bring before my Father in Heaven. And if it's not too cold, and if I've gotten a decent night's sleep, I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning early and go running before the sun rises. How are you going to respond? What are you going to do? What are you going to do in the face of Russia invading Ukraine. What are you going to do in the event of the news cycle running its course, Russia invading Ukraine being a distant memory, and the next thing our world and our culture wants you to freak out about? What's your response going to be? I know what mine's going to be. It's going to be very similar to what I just told you that I'm going to do in light of this Russia invading Ukraine situation. Well, thank you all so very much for swinging by and checking out today's episode of the Jason Modar Show. I really hope you enjoyed it. Hope that it was beneficial and edifying and all that jazz. God bless you. Have a great day.